I agree with you. I would wish that we talk more about sustainability and that, that it's more of a consistent, like permanent thing that's always raised, not just in marketing teams, in every company. Every company has has a little bit of leeway to contribute in their way, even if it's a small business, even if it's a startup. Um, and I think the, the one thing is that goes back to super simple psychology, but because it's a bit of a doom scenario, we don't like talking about it and and we maybe don't like it as much as something that's shiny and new, as you said, as AI. Hello and welcome to Future Strategies. I'm your host, Florian Schleicher. You want your marketing to achieve goals and sustainable growth? You have come to the right place. In this podcast, I talk with marketing experts and share my own know-how on how to bring your marketing to the next level with a lot of inspiration and learnings, all without the usual hustle. So let's jump right into it. Today, I'm talking with Cordula Pflügel, Marketing Director at the Next Web Conference. With a background in psychology, Cordula has been in marketing for almost a decade, helping brands launch on social and supporting startups on their growth journey. She previously ran her own social media consultancy and holds the function of early stage advisor at a VC fund. Cordula was also part of the founding team of a women-focused online education startup called Future Females. Cordula has also worked on marketing projects in three different countries before landing her current role with The Next Web in Amsterdam. Now she's in charge of a 10-people-strong marketing team and leads the overall brand strategy for The Next Web and the marketing efforts around its annual Amsterdam conference. Welcome to the show, Cordula. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have this conversation with you. I have actually been looking forward to this interview for a couple of weeks now because we agreed to talk about two of the most discussed topics in our marketing sphere right now, which is AI and sustainability. But before we dive deeper into that, can you please give us a short introduction on what the Next Web Conference is doing and why you also chose this company as your next endeavor? Yeah, sure. So the Next Web is a unique, very unique company. And um, we are kind of divided into four business units. Um, one part, one very, very important part, and that's why most people know us from, is the, the Next Web Conference. It's an annual conference, happens every year in Amsterdam. And mm -hmm. it's been going, it was the 17th edition this year. It's been going for a while. And it really brings together the brightest minds in tech and it kind of tries to showcase what's next in tech. That was always the, mm -hmm. the focus point of uh, TNW. It was like, we want to be at the forefront. We want to educate people around what's next in tech. How do we do that? We do that with a conference where we bring everyone together. And then secondly, we also do this with content. So the Next Web has a website, thenextweb.com, mm -hmm. <laughs> where um, very talented journalists write about technology trends. And that um, website has also become the go-to destination for a lot of people that work in technology to find out about latest trends, innovation, and so on. So the two things really combine a lot that's going on in technology already. But then we also still have the co-working space. So our office is in the heart of Amsterdam, and it's a big co-working space. And we have a second one in the west of Amsterdam. And then as the fourth pillar of the whole organization, there's a consulting arm 
that's TNW programs at the moment. It's, it's the consulting part of the business that helps big corporations and governments also with uh, open innovation projects. So consulting them and using this knowledge that we have accumulated. So in my role now, I have uh, worked a lot on the conference, on the marketing for the conference, the one that's in Amsterdam. And we also held one for the first time this year in Valencia in March for the first time. Mm. And um, I've, but I've also tried to holistically bring together all the different business arms of the company because they're all intertwined in the end and marketing is needed for all of them. It just so happens that the conference is why a lot of people kind of know us. And that's why it's great to talk about specifically AI today and sustainability because these two aspects were really present also at our in, at our conference stages we heard a lot about ai but then also in marketing you really need to be on top of it and then sustainability we'll talk about because it is getting more and more important to also be sustainable in the event industry in the like broader event industry and how you can really do that i think we um, we proved ourselves um, well this year mm -hmm. with a really really good strategy and the execution and how it worked out was really I think, uh, something to be proud of as an event company. Cool. I'd love to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but about the second question, why did you end up at the next web conference? Why did you say, okay, I have seen enough of the startup world or yeah. what was behind that? Yeah. So, I mean, my journey in marketing started now a decade ago, almost. I started, um, came from psychology, complete different uh, mm -hmm. industry. I worked as a clinical psychologist and I really was so always fascinated by how quickly everything was changing in marketing, how quickly back then everything was changing in social media. And uh, at that time, I had a lot of entrepreneurial friends. They all started their startups. And I thought it was interesting how how much changes there, how much innovation comes and how much as, as a marketeer you could contribute to that whole industry. So I started in social media marketing and that's where I kind of grew into my bigger <laughs> marketing profile. And then I worked in, in South Africa for a long period. I worked for a luxury travel company, which mm -hmm. is really amazing to do, be able to do marketing for a travel company because you're kind of really selling this, not selling this product, you're selling this overall lifestyle and feeling of travel. Mm. And after that, I joined a super early startup. That's the company that you mentioned, Future Females, in the very beginning, um, after six, three months of incubation or so with the founding team. And we kind of became this uh, team like that was there from the beginning pre-revenue really building this first community-based company that mm. had this broader idea to really bring more women into business how can we help um, more women to become entrepreneurs this was the overall goal and from there i kind of went the whole startup journey together <laughs> with future female from very early then changing working for them full-time um, first, I was uh, the Europe director of the company, and then my role pivoted into the CMO of the company. Mm -hmm. And I spent quite a lot of lo long time with them. And then at that point, when I was uh, feeling like it would be, I would be ready for something new. It wasn't because I wasn't. I still believe in the mission for the company. But you also, at that point, when you've gone through the startup cycle once in marketing yeah. and generally as a as a person. You want to, you have to sometimes this uh, urge to see some some different business models or some different businesses still. And at that point, I think in in after gaining a lot of experience and working for a startup, I wanted to work at a 
not a huge, like not in corporate sense, but at a bigger company mm. uh, was already established um, and already had something like a certain product or a certain vision and that I could then build a team within there. And uh, so the, this role that I was joined when I joined the next web, the role was a new role that they were kind mm. of implementing into company now, giving marketing more power. But before the marketing team was only focused on the event and it was not specifically for the whole TNW brand. And this was mm. the first time they said, we're creating a role that will encompass all of the different units. It will work with everyone. It should bring together and align the different business units. And for me, that was a super interesting challenge at the time. And also to see how a company like that, that got bought by the Financial Times two years yeah. prior, operates now and how they work with different business units and the, how this product, this big, big tech conference um, is is, map, is being utilized for marketing, how the marketing is different for a product like that as to what I did before, which was very much uh, startup marketing, I would call yeah. it. Also like scaling, always super, super tight budgets, um, always everything testing very quickly, failing very quickly and bringing everything to market, which also has its upsides. Um, but I really also liked um, having a bigger team, having a bigger mm. pool of resources of other experts in the company that I could tap into. And that's why I took the role. Yeah. Do you sometimes miss the startup world? Yes. <laughs> I, miss, I miss it a lot, actually. It's the, um, the things that you could, your, your work can really have an impact immediately. And if you're a tight-knit team or a small team, you maybe have like three decision makers or four and you come up with something and you can really execute it together very, very quick, fairly quickly mm. in bigger corporates or in even a mid-sized company that always takes long. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so many uh, people to consider and also other decision makers that it sometimes um, slows down the process. Mm. But also, um, yeah, that's that's what I loved about, I really loved the incubation phase of something and I really love um, making things bigger, scaling and and uh, coming up with an idea from scratch and then delivering that. So that's what I always loved about yeah. in, in a startup. I've also consulted on, on a lot of startups because it's still where like I see so much potential. If you are in, you bring uh, expert knowledge to a startup, I've worked mm. with you as an advisor or in, in the sense of like mark, giving marketing advice. Um, you can bring so much value to them quickly and yeah. they're really appreciative um, without having to dedicate all your time. So that's yeah. where the whole advisor concept or mentor concept comes in. And that's yeah. cool. I can so relate to that because I started at an advertising agency, then I worked for McDonald's, so super big uh, corporate company, then went on the NGO side to Greenpeace. And then most recently I was head of marketing at Too Good To Go. So. Mm -hmm. Too good to go was really the, the point where I thought, okay, I really can make use of all the things that I have learned now to put into a startup. And the most fascinating thing was, as you mentioned, this thing at the very beginning, nobody knows about you. And then two years later, everybody knows the brand name. And that's such a rewarding feeling to know, okay, I was part of this yeah. and um, it's an amazing journey. Um, I think we could go on about this much more, but we uh, said we would talk about AI mm. and everybody's talking about AI right now. At least it feels like that. Yeah. So things are moving at an incredible speed right now. I remember I wrote a blog posting in March mm -hmm. and while the underlying theme still applies, a lot of the examples already feel super outdated. Mm. 
So I would like to kick off our conversation with kind of a provocative statement. I just read today that Emad Mostak, the founder and CEO of Stability AI, said at a summit to Bloomberg that AI is a $1 trillion investment opportunity, but it will be the biggest bubble of all time. Mm. And he says, I called it the dot AI bubble, and it hasn't even started yet. What's your take on that? Is AI just another bubble? Yeah, that's so interesting that he said that. Because I also just heard on the podcast this week that for the first time, um, traffic is down for ChatGPT since hmm. its inception. It's down 10%, which is obviously is also summer. Sometimes you could blame it on that. But it's also the initial hype always has a period where it dampens a bit. But yeah. in, I think where he's right is that at the moment, I see so many startups and companies popping up and creating their own API and uh, and working, trying to work with AI or claim working with AI more mm -hmm. and more. I mean, we saw it at the conference. We had AI as one of the key themes and every it was very in demand, but also a lot of people then said it was almost too much AI. You know, we mm -hmm. the other things at the conference too. So this was interesting feedback we got. Uh, so I do think... Um, that's always when we have these big leaps forward. There will be a bubble effect, but I do think that there's also not a way how we already advanced now since let's let's call the inception chat GDBT in November, right? Like this mm. is now it's half a year. That's not reversible. So I think we are in this, we went forward irreversibly. <laughs> Yeah. So we're there now. And uh, from there onwards, there will be changes and it will impact the job market. It will impact marketing and it will impact technology and how company go forward now. So I do think what we can take away from it is with every bubble be a bit uh, critical still. We saw it yeah. with the metaverse, for instance. Yeah. Like it was a huge bubble and... <laughs> Now you're looking back at it and you think, where, 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 where is, did this, all this grow? Where did this go? Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like it's yeah. kind of like this new shiny thing syndrome. Mm -hmm. I mean, in marketing, we are also aware of the novelty effect. Everything that is new is cool. And it's like if a kid finds a new toy and for the first couple of days or weeks, this will be the most exciting thing. And then a couple of months later, it will lie back in a corner and yeah. it will be just another toy. So I think one good thought behind evaluating what a real trend or a bubble is, and it has worked for me, is the question, does this new thing fulfill any pre-existing needs of people? Mm -hmm. And so I would be very, very interested in what do you think marketing can do with AI now that it was not able to do before? So mm -hmm. does it fulfill a need? Yeah. So the interesting question, the part of the question is, is there something new it can add or is it making yeah. us just more efficient? And it's, it's, you know, is it really saving us so much time that we can do um, much more with less people, that we can automate more? And this has kind of been my experience of the early months this year. It's, it wasn't replacing something that we couldn't do at all. It was uh, giving us way quicker, like, for instance, that the easy ones that came up at the beginning of this year were always copywriting, um, mm. search, um, brain coming up with different brainstorming ideas, but on a simplified level. And, and that we were quite amazed by, but very soon we integrated that, like at least at marketeers, like now everyone knows, at least to a certain degree, you need to be able to prompt well, and then you really get 
through very quickly, like what a copywriter would probably take probably two hours, three hours to deliver for you. So a big chunk of like marketing teams was always a lot of copywriting, a lot of research and compiling information in a presentation then or in, in some day. Yeah. This is all things now that we can do way quicker. So now in marketing, I would say if you are not going, if you're not implementing and using AI, you're not re you're really not doing yourself a favor. You mm. need to, there was also this statement, AI is not going to take your job, but a person that has AI knowledge will, you know, mm. because if I, I want to, would want to hire in marketing in a more senior position, I would at least want to see that there's knowledge of all these tools mm. that exist and at least some form of uh, use of, like the, the person being able to use them well yeah. and ad hoc and knowing for what. So the leaps for me in, in the AI since March, particularly where what I was really impatient to wait, like really now I'm happy that it's, it's coming into place is visualization of data. Cause then mm. the, um, phase of ChatGPT, we didn't see that. It was really weak. It couldn't visualize. And now we, I'm seeing now this week, last week I tested it, um, the first plugins, and that's uh, with a plugin called Notable, where it can really visualize your data super well. Um, so you give it the data points, like that could be any graph. So what we as marketers usually do with um, with a visualization tool uh, like Supermetrics or um, Locker Room, previous data studio and so on. This is way quicker. This yeah. gives a huge data pool input and you ask it and you prompt it well. You can even use the prompts, act like a data engineer. So all the people that would work with data on the intersection of marketing and product and tech. Um, and it gives you this within seconds. And I'm quite impressed with, with that whole thing because this is what we work with in marketing. We need to come up with creative, innovative solutions, but we also need to base a lot of what we do on data. So coming mm. up with visualization was one of the of the really new innovation things for me yeah. that I really want to go like much more deep into now and everything that happens in marketing till the end of the year uh, you really need to know what is the latest, which tool has come out mm. now. Um, even now, when you are you're working on early projects, um, visual creation with Midjourney, mm. it's been such a game changer. I'm not saying that this will make um, the designers uh, obsolete. We really need yeah. good designers and people, especially people who who understand brand, brand yeah. font, brand branding, what a brand stands for, the brand values, to really incorporate that in a bigger brand strategy. But to come up with easier, smaller things that you just need for your social media deck or for one once of a presentation, it's just uh, <laughs> leaped us forward so much that I think it's hard to ignore now and to um, really think as a marketeer of ways how you can optimize processes, automate, save time on all these tasks so your team can spend the time being creative or, or working on pro proactive ideas at the moment, what I find with JetGPT, because it's also taking from the internet um, mm. old information, it doesn't come up with super innovative things. That's a super interesting point that you just mentioned, because um, Kevin Kelly wrote this a couple of weeks ago, where he said, since the generative AIs have been trained on the entirety of human work, most of it is mediocre. It provides <laughs> wisdom of the crowd-like results. And they may hit the mark, but only because they are average, is what he said. And I think the interesting thing is, this is something that is in my mind is, I think there is a, a perfect place for this. Because if you compare it to um, like the craft beer industry, mm -hmm. 
Yes, you can get a perfect pint from Heineken, for example. But sometimes people want a variance at, and a story about some things more interesting. And that is what craft beer then offers. Yeah. So I think there's a market for both. And I think it won't really replace the great work out there, but it will give you a good basic understanding of needs very fast. And that's, I think, one of the benefits also for marketing, because oftentimes we need to understand concepts and uh, with its feature to really um, narrow down things. And if you put in, like you said, the right questions, mm -hmm. then you will get something good out of it. Yeah. Um, what tools do you personally find the most fascinating? You talked a little bit about the visualization part, but yeah. is there something else that you really say, okay, this has been blowing my mind? Yeah, I mean, the visualization, that's a really, really great one. Um, but even if you had to present your your brand strategy or an overall strategy, like the way it now, for instance, integrates with Miro, Miro has its own AI, and it builds something for you that's visually looks great. It's not just a spreadsheet or a slide or an image, but then it also comes up and clusters your kind of the information that you input. I think that's something that I personally found super, super helpful. And then we have, we had one uh, super practical example, but this is typically for everyone who works with lots of data, you in the event world or anywhere you want to measure things, you want to measure age and, uh, and, and gender sometimes. And We, uh, with the annual conference in Amsterdam, pride ourselves, for instance, that we have a lot of very high female attendance. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying that because for our conference in Valencia, we forgot to ask for gender specifically in the onboarding process. So okay. now you end up with a list of 5,000 people and you have the names of 5,000 people and we we don't have an accurate number of what was our gender ratio. So this, this literally happened. Yeah. This is the prime example for now either someone would have manually programmed a formula that would have been not very accurate mm. or someone had to go through all these even worse. Yeah. But give it the language model. This is what actually language models are perfect at. Exactly. You base it on European names and it can give you exactly on like, It's not 100% accurate, but it's almost accurate because it bases this on the information we have. Um, giving an, a female or a male name, now we had our, our ratio of attendance. Yeah. And this was a thing that wouldn't have been possible in this, in 10 seconds, how I got it delivered last yeah. year. It was crazy to me. It was and, like, it, and it's like super simple if you yeah. hear about it, yeah. but getting there, super interesting. Yeah, I mean, imagine the programmer would just need to sit there and build a formula that kind of takes these names in. Um, and that would have taken a long, long time. So this was something that we were able to do. Um, and then generally, the other example I have is uh, where we really tested it against, and now I'm making a case against AI, but this mm -hmm. is what I said earlier, that the very innovative, like the brand new things that haven't been mediocrely produced in the past, This is, this is what we can't do with AI yet. So we yeah. also had to come up with uh, statements for our billboards all over Amsterdam ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, I saw them, yes. Yeah, and we went, we did put in 
AI. So we kind of had the test and then we gave the team, the whole team could, each one contributed and had their best ideas. And then we chose um, the ones that we thought were the best and the, none of them was from the AI. We hmm. really put these kind of head turning moments that Oatly creates, for instance, with the billboard yeah. that I think we really had a really good one. Um, th this is when you need people that understand what the brand is. So in our case, we went for one um, that was actually a ChatGBT quote. So we had on all those big billboards over in Amsterdam and in, in the airport, we had uh, nothing replaces face-to-face -face events, ChatGBT, mm -hmm. and it was in the layout of ChatGBT because mm -hmm. it's so much in, like that's what we stand for with the conference. We do believe mm -hmm. that. Um, and then that, that I think got really good positive feedback. And the other one was much more visual and it took kind of took you back to that era uh, of Rubik's cube and paint and so on. And we had these visuals on there and it, it had the slogan under it. that was like, let's go back to a time where the future excited us, you know? So it is kind of, you get, give this people, they look at it, they see it and they're interested and you have to say, an AI couldn't come up with that. It also mm. wouldn't know us well enough, even if we input everything about TNW to come up with something like that. So uh, we did a few of these things, um, out of home things like stickers and, and the billboards. And I think that's where you really need creative people and you need the human creativity to, to come to play and come up with something great for the brand. Yeah, cool. I have seen those ads and I will come back to them later on yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, I have a question about that. But uh, you already talked about what you think AI can't replace at the moment. So we also covered that. Mm -hmm. And I would like to talk about next a challenge that we face because um, on the one hand side, this shiny new thing, AI, every, everybody's talking about it and it's super sexy as a topic. Um, but on the other hand side, we have an urgency with the climate crisis and sustainability as an issue. Mm. Why do you think there is so much talk about AI and such a big fascination with something that is, to put it bluntly, a great tool and something nice to work with and not so much about sustainability as an issue which has long lasting effects and will impact everybody's lives, not just of the marketing people who are super excited right now with AI or some tech people. Why do you think is that so that we have such a big disconnect in terms of what we talk about and why do we talk so much about AI and not so much about sustainability? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I would wish that we talk more about sustainability and that, that it's more of a consistent like permanent thing that's always raised not just in marketing teams in every company every company has has a little bit of leeway to contribute in their way even if it's a small business even if it's a startup um, and i think the the one thing is that it, it goes back to super simple psychology but mm -hmm. because it's a bit of a doom scenario we don't mm -hmm. like talking about it and and we maybe don't like it as much as something that's shiny and new as you said as ai so that's where I think sometimes we also feel that in as a single one person, just me, there's so little I can do to change. And mm. with on the opposite side, you have a tool that within such a short period reached like millions and millions of people that jumped on it and used it. It was like, so I could easily go on it, use it for whatever I need it for and be part of this hype. 
um, there, there is so such a barrier that we realize that we are, obviously we still all have a little bit of this potential in us to change something. And then the bigger potential is actually that we, as you, as every single person, we are part of a bigger construct. You are in, in a company, I'm in a company, or we are part of various communities or we are mm. part of a family that we can influence. You always have this circle of influence. Yeah. This is how we can actually have this, um, I do think having the discussions around it helps. And there is definitely a synergy also where why is there not so much discussion? How can AI help us come up mm. with solutions to battle climate change? Um, where, where definitely there is. But at the moment, I feel what we more like, because that's how every revolution, digital revolution also works. Like we focus on the things that are immediately the ones where we know it's going to make a lot of money or shareholder shareholder value. Mm. That's where the, the focus is going in AI. But I do also see that AI would have massive potential because of its capacity to work with big data, to find us ways how we can... Uh, how we can uh, f reduce, not measure, and then reduce the, car uh, the carbon footprint. So I think there is some examples um, in our small world at TNW conference. Mm -hmm. We also took sustainability measures. They were not executed or based on AI. <laughs> that was actually my next question. So because uh, the elephant in the room is obviously the event business has a reputation of being kind of a black sheep when it comes to sustainability because you have a big uh, environmental and CO2 footprint. So what did you do at your most recent conference when it comes to sustainability? What did you come up with without AI? Yeah, so there's really a big shout out I have to give to the broader event team at TNW because they developed this strategy and executed this this year and also made it a priority. As, as an advancement to last year's conference. So mm -hmm. all these steps that we took this year uh, were a huge improvement to last year. So the one that uh, was the most visible at the conference was that we um, basically banished single-use plastic completely. So at a big cool. scale event like that, that's a huge contributor already. Yeah, again, remind us how many people were there? Yeah, 10,000, around okay. 10,000 people. So you have... For two days, you have usually an, a huge amount of plastic and a plastic mm. waste. So we did that. We we made everyone aware beforehand to really bring their water bottles and that there won't be single-use plastic available. Mm. So no bottles, no cups. And all of our vendors had to also stick to that. Mm. We The way we did it was putting um, fountains, water fountains, all across the conference so that yeah. you could always fill up your your bottle and that worked super well people also were queuing and didn't even complain about the queue sometimes because everyone just really embraced this so this was mm. a very received a lot of good feedback then the second thing we did is like 70 percent of all the materials that get used so for this big conference you have a lot of modules that the stages get built on that you use for signage and so on 70 percent of this is reusable so it was mm -hmm. based now on the fact that this is a long-term investment strategy that it can be used again any anyone who produces a big scale event will probably do this again concerts for instance in the way that you can use these modules and certain pieces again and not throw them away you save so much already so this yeah. was another thing that we changed. And then also all um, the vendors at the conference, so the food, we de we decided like a lot of other conferences do at the moment to go meat-free, so completely mm -hmm. meat-free. Um, that also really reduces your carbon footprint in the bigger picture. And that was also something that 
people were actually appreciative of or like it doesn't really make that that much of a big difference but you can immediately for two days influence ten thousand people yeah of course which yeah. i think is, is amazing so we did this and then we also had reusable um reusable catering materials for all the food so all the plates and the cutlery we had different stations where you needed to bring it back after you used it and then it gets reused and nothing gets like thrown away immediately so that also worked surprisingly well we had mm -hmm. these stations and it just works with like the whole education principle you need to tell people this is what we're doing please after you eat or drink your food bring it to these stations yeah. and without creating too much um, chaos actually it worked so all of these things uh, and even like we got on LinkedIn a few messages which made our whole team super happy to see mm -hmm. that people even put LinkedIn posts out after the event saying how much they appreciated that was really visible that we took these actions this year and then another big one is obviously this is the one where the event industry always gets a lot of uh, blame for is because the people traveling to the event mm. so this is more for I want to say like a web summit because you have people come from all over Europe. We do have a lot of people from the Netherlands, so their journey isn't that far. And then we get Germany, Belgium and the UK. So their journey might be a bit further. But mm. then in Amsterdam, we made it super easy to come with anything else than the car. So we mm. had a boat that was taking you actually from Amsterdam Central to straight to the conference. Um, that was very cool to have this for the first time this year. We had the buses, the shuttle buses. We incentive, we made parking purposefully more difficult so that people would Good. come <laughs> with the bus or with bikes. I think that's that's a big one. And I think all these measures of, of strategies and these things that we put in place um, were really where, where we thought someone, so they were our really great operations team really thought about what can we do hmm. because what i see often in now it's it's a big one in the in the aviation industry is hmm. okay we're going to put this plug-in or this thing that you can now offset your carbon footprint yeah but this is putting the whole responsibility back on the consumer on the person exactly. with so what is the aviation industry doing so we really thought about things what can we do you know, that will influence people. So by also, maybe that's something for next year or for the future of events is what can you do if you are in a place, you know, you have a lot of European visitors to make it more attractive for them to book a train journey to come to the conference than, than the plane. And maybe yeah. it's a partnership. Can you give a discount or can you give... Yeah, something? because that's, that's what I was just thinking about is maybe you can also use AI for that and mm -hmm. say, if you come here train or by boat or whatever it is um, in a more sustainable way than flying or taking your own car to cross several countries then you can send the invoice of that transportation vehicle to you to your ai and if it gets approved then you get a discount on your ticket for 100 or 200 euros or where it would be another nudge for people to actually go there in a more sustainable way. Yeah. And even if you if you give small rewards, I think it's just that this whole impact you have on changing people's, even if they think about it, even if they consider it this year and they don't end up doing, but then next year, you, you made an impact. And I think that's something that 
almost everyone can do now in their own company. So that's maybe also something I want to tell people when they're listening to this. Every one of us, usually, unless we are just working for ourselves, we are in a company and there's something like, how does your company do the recycling? Or how does your company, what's the electricity from your office, for your office is coming from? Is there some, maybe a change you could, if just by putting that in a meeting or making suggestions, someone will hopefully think about it. And yeah. some sometimes these things change and some companies even go to B, become B Corps and so on. Um, it, it could be the beginning of the t- journey to B Corp. So like each one of us, if we feel like sometimes we are helpless in our own little world, a microcosmos, if we're just recycling and doing mm-hmm. certain things, then this is the next level. Like really try influence the company you work for or try to influence a community if you're part of a community in some sort, like a co-working environment or a bigger community of your expertise knowledge or something you're in or your family even um yeah. i think that the the trickiest thing is to get people as you just said to know that they can have an impact mm-hmm. and everybody shares a responsibility and everybody can take part in this transition and that would actually be the last question uh, before we go to a short like end round um What's your recommendation to other companies who say, okay, I want to do something. I um, want to shift also my mindset in terms of urgency to treat sustainability more like AI, like it is right now. So in, in an adapted version of your words, how can we go back to when the planet excited us? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good one. Actually, you should really put that somewhere on it. Um, I think the, The discussion is is really good to have. So as as any company, try find first the potential where you could make a difference, and then in like involve as many people as possible. Not just involve actually the senior staff or so. Maybe that's the first layer where you want to test out what. But involve everyone, uh, and let's everyone come up with ideas and what you could contribute to. Mm. Because everyone, also people come from it from the, for different reasons. Some people are like, I never thought about it before, but now I have kids and I really think about it. Or some mm. people are like, since I moved and I now really see how much traffic there is or how much, you know, these yeah. it's so personal. And everyone has, and some people are really passionate about not eating meat, you know, so it comes so, but there's so many angles. Yeah. Um, and not exclude anyone with this very harsh, sometimes it's almost off-putting when the people are too strict and too, This needs to be like that. But if you include everyone comes from their angle and together everyone has suggestions uh, and then really try to also action on these things. Um, I think even if they're small in the beginning, uh, that's maybe how you can start. So I would uh, try really incentivize every company to do it and then talk about it. I mean, in marketing, everyone will always say, let's <laughs> talk about it because it's it's good for for messaging, but also just talk about it. So more companies are like, oh, we should also do something because I see this company just released their social res- responsibility report or they just posted on LinkedIn all the stuff they did. Why did we not do anything? Yeah, there's, um, this, there's this saying, do good and talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Yeah, it is. Um, though sometimes people are shy and I know in marketing we're not shy but people are sometimes like I do good and I don't need to talk about it yeah but then it's then you're not giving other people the chance to get inspired by it exactly yeah. yeah let's close this up with three short questions and preferably short answers 
so first question, which I always ask everybody here, what is good marketing for you in three words? Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, if it's memorable, it's good marketing. Like you will remember something for a long time. So if that's a quick way of knowing, was this good marketing? If you remember, if you saw a really good billboard, a really good commercial, you'll still remember it from five years ago now. So I think good marketing should be memorable. Um, it should have great storytelling. I like like a, like a storytelling component and mm -hmm. something that can be just in a visual. And I think it needs to be relevant. So that's a little thing that these days in digital, we can influence so much. Like the, the channel you speak on or the, the context you put it really um, it sets the tone. So you need to make it relevant and you need to speak to different people differently. And sometimes it needs to be a TikTok video and sometimes it needs to be on a billboard. But it's the, I think the relevancy of it is, is good. Um, and these days we see a lot of really great uh, billboards and the space where they're put at or mm -hmm. really great at that. Like they're really great at out of form anyway. Um, makes the whole thing amazing and memorable. And uh, for their audience also then it's relevant. But that's for me is are the key three things that I, I think if I want, if I'm really proud of a campaign we did or something with, for instance, we did with our billboards, then I think it was all of these things. It told the story. It was relevant to our audience and the people that saw it on these billboards and it was memorable. So, Cool. What's the future of marketing? The future of marketing. Um, so I would go against what a lot of the people said at our conference a little bit. I wouldn't say the future of marketing is AI. I would say there's definitely a, a, a part of AI in it. But I, I would say the future of marketing is um, a lot of change, always changing, always adapting, always changing. And since what we saw, what happened with social media, there's now this AI wave and there will be a next wave. Where mm. we go into maybe hyper personalization um, and and a lot of like new forms of reaching people on top of what we have now, so I think it's ever changing <laughs> the future of marketing, which is also the fun part. Yeah, I think that that fits very well. Last question: Which book have you read recently in the last months that had a lasting impression on you? Uh, yeah, um, I read. Uh, a book by Naval Ravikant. Um, mm -hmm. He he basically took this. He's he's quite big on Twitter, and I didn't spend like always that much time on Twitter. So he took his whole wisdom and the best things that he produced on Twitter into a book, and <laughs> another person then wrote the book. So it's not even by him, but I guess he authorized it. Uh, and it has so much knowledge. Um, it has so much wisdom in it. It's one of those books. That it's generally for business. He obviously is a, an angel, um, an angel investor, and knows a lot about startups. And uh, so it is about business in general, not about technically marketing. But it has so much for everyone who reads it, and it's one of those books that's quite not that big either. So you once a year you can open it, read again, and you it kind of has these bits and pieces of wisdom cool. that you can apply in various parts of your life. So I, I really. I really like that. Do you still remember the title? The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Okay. Thanks yeah. a lot. 
Cordula, this has been a great, super inspiring and colorful episode. Thank you so much. I already look forward to continuing this conversation. Yeah, let's uh, talk again in six months with the prediction around AI, if I was right or not, and what has changed in marketing that I didn't see coming. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Thank you so much for your insights, for your time and for your thoughts. Thank you for your questions and for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks for listening. Do you already know the Simple and Sustainable Marketing Academy? This is my new four-month learning format for founders and aspiring marketeers. An interactive learning journey in a live group setting. All for an unbeatable price. You can find all the details on my website future-s.at I'm always happy to get your feedback and if you have enjoyed this episode, please give me a rating wherever you're listening. And until next time on Future Strategies.